Welcome to the podcast. This is the Dance PT podcast, hosted by moi, Jenna Cantor, performer, hachikapow, and physical therapist. In our interviews, we will dive into all the things that can regularly help you. That's right. As a dance physical therapist with your patients. That's right. Please note that the purpose of this podcast is entertainment and is not here to replace any medical advice. That being said, we are all here to support each other, which leaves me at the most important message I want to leave you with. You are enough and never change yourself for anyone. That's right. You heard me. Be you, and that will enable you to help others the best way possible. Let's end with more scatting. That's right. Jenna out. Hey! Hello, dance physical therapists, students, and professionals. I am here with Dr. Carrie Willett, and she is my work wife with Very Tell Physical Therapy and massive 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 experience in gymnastics and so i when did i mention this to you like a month ago to come in or like uh, it was a while ago we talk about things all the time like ideas and just all the time so it's just like yeah. things were said and here we are let's it's great um, <laughs> so carrie's come on she's looked at the research on injuries regarding gymnasts. And so we're gonna be talking about that, which is gonna lead us to ACL, that focus in particular. But first of all, thank you so much, Carrie, for agreeing to come on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is exciting. It's, it's very exciting, yes. So today we are going to start off, let's go into when looking at research, where did it lead you to? Just even seeing incidents and prevalence. Let's start there. Um, so in terms of like specific numbers, I'm not sure on the most recent, um, figures for that of the incidents and prevalence, but I can tell you, um, just anecdotally. Oh, that's right. Good to know what's out there for sure. Exactly. Anecdotally. So I was a gymnast for 20 years and I did four years of college gymnastics and on my college gymnastics team, which was. 20 to 22 women every year, we had generally at least one ACL tear per season. Oh, wow. um, and that is not uncommon across collegiate gymnastics. It is an extremely common um, injury in higher level gymnasts. And I do know that in terms of just general injuries, knee injuries in general are the second most common injury in gymnasts. The only more common one is ankle injuries. Is so, that a research study in particular? That, you that, is, that is from actually a 2020 study that I was looking at that is uh, published in gymnastics medicine, actually. Nice. And that was looking at more recent data. And the most injured area of the body is the ankle. And that's followed by the knee. And of that, your, your ACL injuries are, are going to be a fairly significant portion, at least of the serious injuries. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so from there, can you go into knee injuries first in general before we really specify? Like, what's your knowledge on that and for, for gymnasts? 
Yeah. So knee injuries, there are quite a few of them that are pretty common in gymnasts. When you have the younger crowd, you tend to see a lot more of like your Osgood Schlatters, which if you don't know, Osgood Schlatter is apophysitis of the tibial tubercle, um, also commonly known as jumper's knee. Yep. Jenna's Jenna's got it. That front of your knee um, can be very painful, especially for those young gymnasts where you're doing a lot of jumping. It tends to come from a lot of force through those quads, which a lot of gymnasts are extremely, extremely quad dominant. And that's something that I will talk about a lot during this interview is just how much quad dominance you see in gymnastics and how a huge part of injury prevention needs to be hip strengthening and posterior chain strengthening because that is um, not something that a lot of gymnasts are good at. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, and because I've seen going into uh, on one of my clinical rotations, uh, it specialized in dancers. And then I also went to a gymnastics studio. Is that what it's called? A gym. Gym. A gym. Gym. Got it. And uh, and we I remember going into a gym and there being like a bunch of kids working out all the time as part of what your training was. Like in a dance class, you're like dancing. I mean, gymna gymnasts dance too, for sure, which is where this leads into. Yeah. <laughs> There's overlap. But, uh, but with all that working out, they're missing the posterior chain. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just need to pause there because literally mm -hmm. I feel like, aren't you doing squat like squats or is it just quad dominate? Like what's happening? So yes, sometimes squats happen, but the thing is, is with like conditioning, um, and that's generally only a, a small part of the practice. You might practice for four and a half hours was oftentimes what I did in a given night. And I would do that five days a week. Um, and 45 minutes of that was conditioning. If that, it might've been half an hour. Okay. And so it's not much conditioning and that is for the whole body. That's for legs. That is for arms. That is for core. Yeah. And the big thing is it's done by the coaches and the coaches don't have any sort of training like we do. They don't have strength and conditioning training, or at least not all of them. You know, there are definitely some out there who are awesome and know their stuff. But I mean, I remember when I would do conditioning and I would do um, single leg hip bridges because I had been taught how to do those in PT. And I was told by my coach, oh, don't do that. That's a grandma exercise. That doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, we do squats, but we're not taught in how to do them properly. We're not taught in how to activate the glutes. So it tends to end up being that constant cycle of quads get stronger, you get quad dominant, then anything you do becomes quad dominant, which further strengthens those quads and decreases the activation of the glutes in the posterior chain. Yeah. And then that translates into everything. And then, you know, you can. Well, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. Becomes, that's a big, that's a big habit or training to break because mm -hmm. everything you're doing, you are used to, doing it that way. I mean, just think about that for anything, anything in life, like yeah. that's how do you, wow. And then there's also the thing of the aesthetic part of it, of when you land landings, um, you are supposed to keep your chest up. That's actually a thing in the criteria. You want your chest to be up. Well, for 
kids who don't know how to hinge at the hip and keep their um, torso a little bit more upright, what they end up doing is just bending their knees forwards and just going into completely all knee flexion, you know, knees over toes, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're doing right. it- Very cool, Dominic. I just got to do these as you're saying it. Yeah, I'm, right here, we'll do them together. It's like literally- like, So think about it this way. When you're trying to land and you want your chest to be up, let me see if I can get it. Yeah. Right, your butt out, you've engaged your glutes, right? Yeah. But they tell you, oh, but you have to keep your chest up. So right. you, you go here. I don't know if you can see it. I'm not in a great spot, but no, no, because as soon as as soon as you bring the body upright, you can feel it. Quads. Yep. Yeah. So all of you, you're all PTs and students, try it. And you'll see how it's really easy to get into that quad dominant posture if you're not really thinking about it and if you're not um, in reinforcing those movement patterns or if the coaches don't even know about those movement patterns then there's no possible way to break that um, and that I think is a, a huge uh, a huge factor towards so many of those knee injuries and that's why so many um, gymnastics focused PTs out there now have emphasized glute strengthening have emphasized good hip hinging. So many gymnasts don't know how to do a good hip hinge. Yeah. Which we could get into all of the implications for back injuries, but that's a whole nother interview. Right, because broke is on the knee. But yeah, yep. uh, that's that's incredible. That's really that's really interesting. So then mm -hmm. now that we have the idea of where the knees come in in general, is there anything else you want to add on that? Or are you ready to move into ACL stuff? Um, the only other thing I would add on, and this kind of will segue nicely into the ACLs. Ooh, yeah, that's a good segue. Yes, good segues. Um, think about all of the actions of the glutes. The main thing is, yeah, they're hip extensors. They're super powerful. But what else do the glutes do? Externally rotate the hip. What's a risk factor for ACL tearing? Internal rotation. So if you're not engaging the glutes, you're super quad dominant. All of a sudden, you're putting that anterior shear onto the yep, and uh, tensioning that ACL. So you've got the anterior shear, and you've got the internal rotation. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Not always. I don't want to be the one where it's like, oh, but um, you know, as a whole, you see it in the numbers. Yeah. You see it in how widespread this injury is that it's not good and we really should be working well, those are really those are those are landings if you mm -hmm. there's actually been studies done Oof. This, um landing can be up to 17 times body weight um it, there's some insane forces when landing you figure tumbling on floor we're launching ourselves 10 feet in the air flipping over a couple of times, doing some twists and then landing and being expected to not move. Yeah. It's insane forces. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you're not using every available active structure, those passive structures are going to get overloaded. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's mind blowing. Whoa. That's crazy. <laughs> that, that, all that info on landing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, into ACL. So yeah. what data is there about ACL injuries? Um, like I said, in terms of actual numbers, I don't know the most recent ones, um, but I do know that in high level gymnastics, especially it is 
a fairly common injury, mm. um, especially amongst serious injuries. Um, you clearly, you have your injury categories of mild, moderate, severe, and mm. it makes up a, a decent portion of those severe injuries. And it's season ending almost always wow. um, and career ending in some cases. So, and it's hugely prevalent, you know, far more prevalent than something that serious should be. Um, there's definitely room for improvement there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> With ACL injuries, and I'm just going to give knowledge that I, things that I, I forget the study, but just the mm -hmm. idea that in basketball, ACL injuries come about more in basketball compared to ballet dancers because ballet dancers don't have unpredictable movements, whereas basketball players, they have unpredictable moments. Mm -hmm. So actually interesting to hear that ACL specifically, knee injuries I get, but mm -hmm. ACL specifically, um, and is it because do you think of the landings? Because everything is choreographed. It's mm -hmm. not. So would you mind talking to that a little bit? Yeah, I think that and this is me thinking and drawing off of things that I've read in the past, not a specific study here mm -hmm. um, for this particular case. But I think where that comes into play of gymnasts have a higher likelihood than um, ballet is Ballet, a lot of times you tend to move out of your jumps and your leaps, right? You don't just land. You're going to land and fly through or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. That dissipates forces. And hey, good segue here into one of the studies that I, um, this was great. I got to look up the new stuff that's out there. Um, I love a good segue. I know, it's great. <laughs> so one of the things that they looked at was, um, this was amazing. It was looking at, I'll just read you the title here because the title Why reinvent the wheel here? Uh, it's called Greater Lower Limb Flexion in Gymnastics Landings is Associated with Reduced Landing Force, a Repeated Measure Study. Mm -hmm. So basically they took a bunch of gymnasts and had them do some stuff onto a force plate. One of them was just a standard drop landing. And then they also had them do a back tuck which if you're not a gymnast, that's a standing backflip. Um, and then they had them do a front tuck, which if you're not a gymnast, it's a front flip. Um, I'm demonstrating. Yeah. In, in my own right now. Just to prove it. You have to dance. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and basically what they saw was that in the drop landings, the gymnasts actually took a lot longer to reach the peak vertical ground reaction force than in the back tuck or the front tuck landings. And then of course they went and looked at it and time to peak means you're gonna have lower peak force because you're dissipating about the same amount of force, but you're doing it over a longer period of time. So- Which is that original flatten the curve. Yeah, so it's not like the boom right away, it's this exactly. thing for you to handle. So it's not in one shot. Yep. And so then they, yeah. they looked at the kinematic data too, and they're seeing that there's a greater um, increase in range of motion at the hip, the knee, the ankle during that drop landing. It's not mm -hmm. a stiff. They're absorbing that force through a larger number of structures. And so that's going to decrease your injury risk. I mean, you can go look up all the literature there is out there on ground reaction force and injury risk. It's why you get injured more running than you do walking. 
Yeah. Um, you know, among other factors, obviously, we all know everything is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was really interesting to see that because it was one of the first times I've seen them do actual gymnastic skills and look at it in that laboratory setting of looking at those ground reaction forces. And it's really just research backing of what we think of as common sense in the PT world of if you land over a longer period of time, your peak force is gonna be lower. I love that. Okay, we know as physical therapists regarding rehab, we know the acute, the early things that we provide for rehabilitation. But mm -hmm. let's fast forward and say we've done that, that preliminary strengthening. We're not limited by insurance. Insurance sucks. We're not limited by insurance where their plan of care has ended way too early, which is most of the time. Um, and we are actually getting the opportunity to get them fully back to function. We are training their glute work into their jumps. Mm -hmm. Has there been a single study on that? Not that I know of. If any of you out there know of it, please send it my way. I would love to read it. That is huge. I, 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 yeah. It's something I've been obsessing over, even well, specifically right now with with ankle ankle sprains the fact that there is no there we have no evidence right now on that long-term rehab you know the acute stuff i'm like that's great it's acute you know what about like the long term so and and that's what where i like that is something to and with that i i bring this up because i don't want anyone to be limiting themselves on going all the way with mm -hmm. exercises. So we have to start using that creativity to work them up to yep. those jumps where it's more glute dominant than quad. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Yes, do it. Wait, wait. And go. If you work with gymnasts, watch them land. Even if this is not ACL anything, watch them land. That is going to give you so much information, especially compared to just having them do a squat, having them do a single leg squat. Both of those are excellent. But if you wanna get more into the gymnastics specific, have them at least do a drop jump or even better, have them bring you video of them landing actual skills. That is gonna give you the most information you can possibly have. I'm gonna give you a personal story here. I did tear my ACL. I tore it when I was 18 years old, when I was in college. And I tore it doing gymnastics. And I took the video in to my PT after I had had surgery and everything. And he showed me, he literally brought up the video and was like, look at what your knees are doing. And then I could see how my knees were caving in. I had huge valgus and I had had it for years and I had no idea because no one had ever pointed it out to me. But he took a look at it and was like, we need to fix that. And guess what? We did. Nice. And so also for PTs, don't be afraid to get into those landings because if you don't take the time to retrain those landings and retrain that movement pattern, they're gonna still be at risk. And we already know that people who have one ACL tear are at increased risk for a subsequent tear, both ipsilaterally and contralaterally. Um, 
And so that's something with gymnasts to make sure you work on is looking at their landings, looking at their jumps and making sure that that hip strengthening that you're doing is carrying over to the actual skills because it might not, especially if you've got an older gymnast. I've been doing my landings one way for 15 plus years. It was hard to change. Absolutely. But the only reason I think I was able to do three more years of college gymnastics and still thrive is because I did retrain it. Oh, I love that. And so college, not college, gymnastics, the, what's the retiring age average-ish? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, let's just say that it's considered groundbreaking that we're having Olympic teams that are not average age of 16. <laughs> um, it is, it's changing. It is, which is really, really good. Um, and so we're making huge strides in that. We're people are able to be able to do it. And uh, now they are, especially for women. For men, it's a little bit different. Oh, yeah, they're much older. Yeah, for the women, um, you're seeing more and more who do go to that elite level and are at that elite level until you know they're they're 20 into their early and even mid 20s. Um, okay. that's what do that's what gets me to this, and and I think this is always uh, and then and then we'll do your last words. Let's talk about exercise adherence now. I with my experience with dancers, this is the biggest hill to climb mm-hmm. because when kids are young, they're used to their bodies bouncing back mm-hmm. for them to just go ahead and just do squats. It's actually very hard to get them to do that on their own, unless you're literally showing up at the gym every like a certain time. And then they do the exercises then, but like, yeah. are they doing, you know, the question is, are they doing that later another time? You know, who's reinforcing that? Have you seen, was there some sort of reiteration at your gym where the exercises were promoted? Cause that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at club level. So before I went to college, no. Um, anytime that I did exercises, it was on me. Um, and I had to ask permission from my coaches to do these exercises in between events and things like that. Um, again, this is changing. I mean, that was, 10 years ago, and there is a huge culture shift going on in gymnastics right now, which is amazing. Please don't watch this and go, oh my gosh, I'm never putting my kids in gymnastics. It's a wonderful sport. (laughs) Um, That's why I'm so passionate about wanting to help change things for the better. Um, But anyways, yeah, it's something that at the club level, we're still working on that. Um, But at the college level, at least for me, um, I did have some really great support there of I pretty much rehabbed all summer with a PT. Um, and then once I got to school, I was able to get in with the athletic trainers who also did a great job. Um, and then I was oh, practice, mm-hmm. yeah, um, with the ATs who had been working with the gymnasts for a while. And then with my coaches as well, who were super supportive and very much did a great job of preventing me from overextending myself being a 19 year old when I was you know, getting right. back into it. I was a dumb 19 year old. Doing musical theater too. So I get that as a ballerina. I get that still pushing. It's like, ah. yeah. Um, so I was fortunate in that I had really great coaches. Um, I'm not going to say that that's the case everywhere. Um, it's going to be very dependent on, on where you are and the culture of 
the the gym that you're at. And I sincerely hope that more and more gyms are becoming more supportive of that. But it is definitely a process. And right. I know we're in that process. It's beyond just saying we support that. It's being the person who says, go do your exercises right now. Because mm -hmm. at 16, I was lying saying when I was doing the exercises. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. And so mm -hmm. there literally needs to be an adult, an actual adult saying, mm -hmm. do it. Um, yep. Watching and being like, go. And you just see you do it. Yep. Uh, so that that would be the support that I personally believe for that young age, yeah. young, young mindset. I don't blame them. That's just where they're at. Yeah anything with kids like that, it's hit or miss, you know, but that's where, to be honest, what I really would love to do in the future is being able to educate coaches, not just gymnasts, educate coaches, and especially the coaches at the young level, at your um, compulsory level, which is your younger ones, your lower level gymnastics, yeah. educate them on proper movement patterns. Because if we can get the kids doing the hip hinging, keeping the glutes active, preventing that internal rotation moment. If we can do that from the beginning, then we don't have to retrain it down the road after they're already injured and after they've already been doing this for so long. Yeah. Um, so that that's my long-term, what I want to do. Just I love it. Any <laughs> last words you want to say to people who are interested in working with gymnasts? I don't know, a moment of inspiration in five, four, three, two, don't be afraid to ask your gymnasts questions. For me, I did not mind at all telling my PT what skills were, how they worked, because I know it's a weird sport. Like it's not something that everyone knows. So if you have never worked with gymnasts before, don't be afraid to ask them questions of like, okay, how does that work? And then YouTube is your friend. And also, if you like want to work with gymnasts and friend request me and ask me questions, feel free. Um, I love that. I love that. Would with that, where can people find you on social media? So I'm on Facebook. I was tagged in this post. Feel free to um, friend request. Is it me. Carrie Willett is it is yep. it your full name for it? Yep, it's K A R I W I L L E T T. So two L's, two T's. Um, and then on Instagram, it's at Carrie C Willett. So same spelling, just with a C in the middle. Yes. Um, and that's my my main platforms. That you I can love it. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. Would it be possible for you to uh, post the links down below? Yes, like the the study. You know, just the title of the article. I don't want you yeah. to extend your story. I've got a couple of citations. There were actually a couple that I didn't even get to talk about because we got excited. So. I, I mean, Lord knows we always do. All right, everybody. Thank you, Carrie Wright. Thank you down below. If you got something from this, I sure did. And I appreciate you so much. Appreciate you too. Bye, everyone.